Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys, welcome back to the Servants of Grace Theology segment. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today, one of our listeners writes in, and they have a great question. Why do Christians sing praise and worship songs? This is such a good question. It's also so vital to understand. One critical question that must be answered and understood well it, it, it pertains to this matter of singing and worship and the purpose of singing in the Christian life and the church. Now, singing isn't an option in Scripture. It's actually a command. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Ephesians 5:18 through 19 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody uh, to the Lord with your heart. You see, God's people are, are more than just invited to sing. We're commanded to sing. And when we sing, we're doing what God asks of us. You see, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The Apostle Paul lays out this exhortation to let God's word to dwell in us richly. And then he tells us how to live out that command. And the first is teaching, but the second is singing. Singing is one of the two chief ways in which God's word dwells in us richly. As we observed in the last point, singing is a command. It's not an option. But you see, this command, it comes with a promise. As we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together, we are promised that the word of Christ in the word of God will dwell in us richly, which is what we should crave as Christians. Our singing is more than a warm-up for the sermon or a filler-in for the service. Colossians 3.16 is laying out for us that singing stands alongside preaching as one of the two great ways that God has ordained for His Word to dwell in each of us richly. Take that famous hymn, In Christ Alone, right by the Gettys. There, in an easily memorizable form, you've got a theology of the cross of Jesus Christ with a clear and practical application that you can use for your life this very week. You see, when you sing, you build up others. First, you build up fellow believers when you sing. Ephesians 5.19 says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In fact, we see the same in Colossians 3.13-16. The exhortation to sing, it comes on the heels of bearing with one another, forgiving one another, putting on love, being at peace as one united body of Christ, and teaching God's word to one another. And when we do what the Bible says and we sing together as a church family, we're actually hearing confessions of faith all around us. We are hearing hundreds join with us 
and singing, Christ alone, my hope is found. We are hearing hundreds of testimonies of faith all around us. When you sing, you're also helping unbelievers. In Psalm 105, 1-2, the Lord is calling the Israelites to be a light unto the nations and to do this. He tells them, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all of his wonderful works. And think of the impact on someone who doesn't know Christ to hear these hundreds of testimonies, those hundreds of confessions of faith as we sing together. Now, chances are you you didn't connect singing and warfare together, but it's a theme throughout the Bible. In Colossians 3, Paul is challenging the Colossians to put sin to death in their lives. We call this mortification. That is to kill sin. And all the commands to love and peace and forgiveness and teaching and singing are, are the believer's attitudes and habits that will kill sin. In fact, we see the same thing in Ephesians 5. The command to address one another in song comes right on the heels to make the best use of the time because the days are evil, Ephesians 5.16. And the more you think about it, it makes total sense. What posture must be more hated by the evil one than the posture of a Christian who is singing? I can't think of any stances you can take that identifies you with Christ and against Satan more than eyes and heart and mind and voice lifted to heaven to Christ in song. It's very hard to lie, be greedy, or to look at something inappropriate when you're singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, as Ephesians 5.19 says. You see, a heart that's doing that will not get easily give in to temptation. In fact, a singing heart is at war with the evil one's work and the power of sin. Now, oftentimes we only think uh, of singing when we're happy and times are good. But you see, singing brings strength for trials. And this comes out in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are unjustly prisoned for the sake of the gospel. And what do they do while they're in prison? They sing, Acts 16.25 tells us. Our persecuted brothers and sisters worldwide are showing us the truth we see in Acts 16 with Paul and Silas. Singing strengthens you and it helps you persevere in the face of trials. If it can strengthen them in the face of these trials, what can it do for you? Even in suffering, sing. And here's an example of what the Psalms say about singing. Psalm uh, 5.11 says, Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name will uh, may exalt in you. Psalm 9.2, I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalm 51.14, Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Psalm 59.16, I will sing of your strength, I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Psalm 63.7, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. If you, if you don't still believe me, here's a clincher. James 5.13, Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. As you study scripture, you'll notice that sometimes singing gives birth to joy. Sometimes joy gives birth to singing. In scripture, joy and singing, they're bound together. You can't study one of the two biblical themes without encountering the other. If you struggle for joy, sing. If you're joyful, sing to the Lord. You see, in God's perfect design and understanding of the human condition, he has bound joy and he's bound singing together. 
All of these reasons, they are summarized in this. When you sing, you glorify God. True obedience deeply roots itself in the word. It builds one another up. It makes war against Satan and sin. It it perseveres. It finds joy in God. All these things, they bring glory to God, which is each person's chief end and goal. I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.